0: Is happening, everybody. Welcome to sitting with Sean. Episode number 23. Yeah, it's 23. Holy crap. It's 23. Lucky 23. Yeah, lucky 23. It has a three in it. Anyways, anyways, guys, uh, so I just as you can see, I rolled out a new uh intro video that was made to me by a good friend Sasha. Uh, She she made that for me. So I want to give her a shout out and say thank you for making that for me She's awesome at editing. I couldn't have done that on my best day Um, But also you guys are seeing a new background here with the Aurora Borealis and and uh, Sitting with Sean logo on the top. I made that. Yeah, I did that. (laughs) I Take pride in that Uh, But anyways anyways, that's not why we're here while we're here is a good friend of mine Brandon Logan How you doing tonight, Brandon? I'm doing good. A little whoop from the new job, but living large, you know, just enjoying all
1: these new experiences I got.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah. And uh, and uh, so, Brandon, would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself?
1: I lost you on audio, bro.
0: Oh, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Yeah, my GCI is terrible. (laughs) GCI GCI is terrible, man. But anyways, uh, yeah. Would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself?
1: Yeah, my name is Brandon Logan. Uh, I'm in long-term recovery, I guess. I got uh, a little over seven years of uh, sobriety, and um, I'm 50 years old, married with uh, two grown children, and uh, just living life to the best I can up north.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And Brandon, you're in Fairbanks, man. Yes, yes. Oh, I, I have not. <laughs> I have not made the trip up there. You know, people that I know down in Lower 48 are like, "Oh, have you been to Fairbanks?" I'm like, "No." I don't Don't know that I would ever go. (coughs) No, do you guys guys get 24 hours of darkness? Oh, well, about 8. Yeah,
1: about 20, 22 in the middle. On the 21st, we get about 22 hours. Like when I was in high school, I'd go to school at 745 in the morning, and it'd be Mm -hmm. dark. And when I got out of school at 245, it would be dark. (laughs) You missed it.
0: That's insane. (laughs) In a blink of an eye, it's all gone.
1: like my first marriage and we got married on the shortest day of the year too december 21st bro we got married it was the shortest marriage ever six
0: months wow (laughs) dang dang man but so so i i i was sitting there i was laying in bed last night and like i was thinking i was like man i got brandon brandon logan i was like he's got two first names and then i was like wait wait no 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 because his middle name James so you got three first names and I I was like oh my god it's kind of parallel because one of my first soldiers when I was in the army he he has three first names his name is is Devin Dakota (laughs) Derrick triple D we called him triple D
1: my grandpa used to say never trust a man with two first names oh what does that say about three
0: Uh, tell something about my raking. <laughs> Man, you're way down there, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Climbing out uh. still, bro. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. But so uh, real quick before we get into it, uh, I met Brandon. Uh, I heard about Brandon uh, through uh, through people through AKTCA and uh, <clears throat> and. They said we got this guy in fairbanks who who was in therapeutic courts and uh he uh you know he wants to be a facilitator and i was like oh that's cool uh and then i met brandon online virtually we we're doing a peer training class and i i looked and i was he's got a massive american flag behind him i don't think i've seen a bigger one
1: it was on my grandpa's coffin oh wow yeah. wow that is a my dad's is all folded up in a frame up on the wall over there yeah
0: nice. they both are Nice. Yeah. And then the first question I asked, I said, are you a veteran? You said, no, but I support vets. And I was like, oh, okay. Awesome. I appreciate that. But yeah. So that was the first thing that I saw that big ass American flag in the background. I was like, holy cow, massive. Holy crap. (laughs) 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 Yeah. But, uh, (coughs) um, yeah, I met Brandon. He was a really, really insightful man. And, and like, and like, when I mean insightful, he would say, he, "You're a man of few words, but what you do say holds holds an impact. It, it is very impactful to me, and and I want to say right off the bat, like thank you for everything that you shared with me because uh, that that holds weight with me. Everybody I appreciate does?
1: that that you know that just tells me to keep spreading the word because people listen sometimes. <laughs> you know? Absolutely, but that keeps Absolutely. me going, brother.
0: So that's the way it works, man. Absolutely, the wheel. Absolutely. Yep yep and uh before we before we get into it i I just wanted to give a disclaimer if i'm coughing and you guys see me coughing i'm sorry uh i'm just getting over covid uh i today was my first day out of quarantine uh it was really bad i was down and out uh and um so i'm glad that i didn't have anything scheduled to record in that time frame because i definitely would have looked like death coming into it yeah i would have looked like skeletor um (laughs) But, uh, all right, so let's, let's get into it. Uh, Brandon, what was it like in your active addiction, brother?
1: Oh man, it was, um, it was miserable once I realized I was an active addiction. You know, I, I think I lived my whole, well, I, I started drinking real young. It was just prevalent in my family. You know, we, my, my, we lived in the middle of nowhere and you know when my cousins came over for like Thanksgiving, we'd have a dining room table for the kids, you know, the kids' table, but we'd have our own bottle of wine at like five, six years old, you know, and me and my cousins thought of you know, let's see who can take the biggest drink and shit like that all the time, you know. So it was that was common for me. So I didn't I didn't really know what alcoholism looked like, you know. I just I saw people drink all the time. They laughed, had fun, fell down, pissed you off. They apologized. And that was just, that's how I was raised, you know? And, uh, you know, I remember I was about, Oh, 25 years old. My daughter was first born, you know, it's Thanksgiving. When I was drinking as usual, you know, and, you know, I didn't think much of it. I'd always had a job, maintained a job and shit and made money and I was okay. I had my own house and, it was the first thanksgiving i had my mom and stepdad over and my whole family came from all over you know and had the dinner at my house you know and it was had the whole family gathered together and i remember i was drinking fucking Permafrost schnapps dude hunterproof proof and my stomach started turning and i went outside to puke and i remember looking in the window at the dining room and the kitchen and I see all my family in there having fun standing around getting pie and I'm just out there puking and right there I thought maybe you have a problem you know or maybe this is going to be a problem but it it never processed you know I used to joke about it like you know my daughter's mom <coughs> And, you know, I used to date these strippers and shit and we'd go partying and, and, you know, I'd wake up in the morning with the shakes, you know, and we'd laugh about it. Oh, we had too much fun last night, whatever, you know, and it never really, yeah. it never really processed. But once I, I honestly realized that, and, you know, conceded that I was an alcoholic and there was no way around it and I couldn't get out of it. I, It was fucking miserable. Man. You know, I was, I was doing shit. You'd never think that, you know, I'm. I like to think I'm a fairly good dude. You know, I'm not a thief and shit, but I took my mom's wedding ring and pawned it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, thank God for the program. You know, it's a, that's a long story about step work, but, you know, I, yeah. I got through that. But, you know, and I used to, you know, and I didn't think it was no big deal to take five bucks out of my kid's piggy bank to go up and get a half pint and shit like that. You know, I never really... Yeah. And then it just spitballed, you know. I mean, I'm sure it spitballs for a lot of people. It's just like, holy fuck! I'm in the middle of the spin spinning wash machine of death, and I can't get out, man. You know, I, I, you know, it was at the point at the end. I was drinking just because, so I didn't have a seizure. I didn't want to drink. My my mind did not want to drink, but my body was like, dude, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got about an hour, and you're going to be doing the funky chicken and. Yeah. There I am again, you know, and I'll try again tomorrow. And it was just that vicious cycle, man. You know, I, you know I, I was in recovery once for, you know, I was sober for like maybe a year. It was a shit recovery. And I went back out and I, I ended up, you know, drunk, doing a bunch of meth. And I had a stroke. Luckily, I was in jail. I got arrested that night being fucked up around town. I don't even remember why I got arrested, but I had the stroke when I was in the drunk tank. And luckily they were able to get me medical attention so fast they got me to the hospital and it turned out it was a mini stroke, they called it. But I still couldn't move my arm for a week, you know, my eye was all droopy and yeah. I wasn't even a wake up call. I still, you know, I'd stayed sober for a couple months after that, but I you know, just that
0: cutting, baffling,
1: powerful, you know. It's like you know it's gonna kill you, but
0: you know, yeah, what do you do? You know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. you know you know uh and 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 you talked about kind of that that first introspect like in a weird way you put it it makes a lot of sense is the outside looking in you know you you you're outside about the vomit and you look in, you see your family having a good time and you're like oh shit there's something wrong here i think a lot of us like have that and we have you know we have those moments of of a sliver of clarity where we look and we say oh shit something's not right but it doesn't really click that we need fucking help yeah um well, 25, I, I that. You know?
1: <laughs> 25 years old i was still having fun honestly i thought you know <laughs> yeah. i looked back at it you No, know, there was no fun really involved there was a few good times but not yeah.
0: I, not genuine fun like i have today you know? yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Definitely, man. And, uh, and, you know, you talked about the shakes and and like seizures and stuff like that, man. And uh, that took me back to a time and I I haven't even talked about this. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, I didn't believe that like that withdrawal was a thing when I was younger, like, especially a young dad at the age of like 22, 23. um, I didn't believe withdrawals were a real thing, uh, at least from alcohol until uh, I was at home and my uncle was there. My uncle was a really bad alcoholic and actually him and I have the same sobriety date. Um, yeah, same year, everything, different states. We hadn't talked to each other. We just decided, boom, it's that time. Well, I didn't, de- I didn't decide that it was that time, he did. I was in jail, but it's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> Uh, so I'm in North Carolina and he's over my house and I had one rule in my house. Cause at that time I was sober, but I wasn't, I, I was a dry drunk. I fucking hated everybody. I wasn't working a program, but, uh, he was laying on my couch and my, my mom comes in and says, Sean, you got to do something. And I walk in there and he's in convulsions on my, on my couch. And, uh, my grandma comes back and starts feeding him alcohol. I was like, dude, I told you No. Like, that, she's like, he could die. And I was like, I, no, he can't. Yeah. yeah, there's no way he can die. And But I didn't, I was so ignorant to the fact that that, that is a real thing. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that uh, you know, withdrawals are are almost more dangerous than the actual use itself. Yep. I I was
1: amazed when I, I read, you know, alcohol is really the only drug that can kill you from the withdrawals itself. I mean, I know heroin's deadly and it'll kill you from withdrawals also, but alcohol will do and i was blown away i was like what no yeah you know it's funny you say say that about you know the shakes and stuff i uh after i got out of that relationship with that girl and whatnot i you know i i thought to myself i'm not really a real alcoholic and then then i read somewhere that if you drink a half pint of hard alcohol a day your body will become physically addicted to it and my dumb ass for whatever reason was like challenge accepted you know and uh yeah. and there i was you know and, and, and that's how that started the physical addiction of it you know where i knew i was physically addicted but but yet i wasn't ready to well another part of that story was i tried to get sober at one point and i decided uh i'm gonna get married <laughs> And, uh, that was my six month marriage, you know, I met her online. We got married and I thought she's going to get me sober was my whole idea. If I get married and I, you know, I get all my shit together.
0: No, bro. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely not. Definitely not. I, I tried that shit too. Well, not, I didn't try getting married to get sober. I was already married at that point. (laughs) Number one, number one and two of three. Um, but, but yeah, I, I always was like, oh, you know, uh, as long as as long as you know i have this person i'll stay sober and then the, when they walked away it all dissipated it mm-hmm. all was kind of like and uh and and that's that's really the hard part is because like i see so many people that want to enter into recovery or so many people that are in recovery that are putting their recovery on other people and, and saying you know i'm sober for this person <clears throat> Okay, well, what happens when that person either leaves or, God forbid, something bad happens to them? You know, my
1: my wife's awful, also, so, <coughs> so You know, and we we work two different programs, bro. You know, we don't intermingle our programs. You know, and it it, yeah. it, it you know it it's healthy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's healthy it for my
1: recovery and hers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, so what what is it that led you into recovery? Um, well, like I said, you know, I had a
1: hinklin, I'd was an alcoholic, and I was spending one of my stints in jail, and I decided I was going to try not to drink when I got out of jail, and I went to an AA meeting in jail, and uh, I went to this meeting, and it was funny thing, because the jail up here, there's, there's a lot of people in there, really, you know, I mean, yeah. it's a small town, but there's a lot of people, and uh, it was the two guys running the meeting and me, nobody else, and I thought to myself, oh, all the people in this jail... I can't be the only fucking alcoholic in here, you know. And we talked and did the meeting, and they told me, well, when you get out, I was only spending like two weeks or something, one of my little short stints. And uh, they're like, come to this meeting when you get out. It's Wednesday night at the Lutheran Church down in the basement. You can't miss it. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go, you know. And uh, I went to that meeting, and it was a a podium meeting. And I, I coincidentally sat next to a guy that had Tourette's. And he was doing his Tourette's thing. And it was freaking me out. And I, I'm i really not good. I'm still not really good in front of people. I still, I could do it, you know. But uh, they wanted me to get up in front of everybody and say, I'm Brandon. I'm an alcoholic. And that scared the shit out of me. I mean, I did it. And I sat down and I shook the whole time I was there. And I didn't go to another meeting for till another one of my down on the dumps days. You know, my buddy... He, Buddy of mine i used to party with all the time he had got managed to piece together like two years of recovery and he saw how bad i was at and he says hey man you know i'm going to na now you want to go to a meeting with me and i thought let's try this again and i i did the NA thing for a while but that's when i realized I, i'm not just a drug addict i'm an alcoholic because i'd stopped all the drugs but the alcohol i just couldn't stop so but that's what started me on my path in my 12-step recovery you know i mean that's not when i got sober i mean i've been coming to AA since i was like 28 30 you know and i'm 50 years old now you know i've pieced together seven years finally yeah well so you know but it is what it is you know
0: (laughs) yeah You kind of took away my question with are you already answered it but uh one question i do have is you know with with your experience and in the rooms what do you think is the the biggest deterrent from people coming into the rooms or staying in the rooms the biggest
1: um the biggest deterrent people come in i would say would be um their ego they're just afraid to come in just like i was you know Hmm. i still remember the first meeting you know the dude standing at door shaking my hand and i'm like whoa you know and uh but it wasn't you know that that was a di- not probably my second meeting, you know. It wasn't the speech. This was years later, but uh yeah, I, I would say themselves as their own own block. But I've I've heard some weird stuff, you know, like I got a cousin, a second he's a my cousin's kid, actually. He's a younger kid, and we were we were talking a couple years ago and he drinks a lot and he's like, I thought about going to AA and I was like, Well, you should check it out, why not? you know. He's down in Arizona. He's like, Well, I don't know if I can afford it. <laughs> I was like, What? What? what dude it, it's it's free you have nothing to lose you know just yeah. check yourself and walk in and sit down and you know it 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 to me it was really hard at first you know getting comfortable in the rooms and getting to know people because i kind of looked at it like it was some weird churchy shit, you know and i was yeah. real standoff of church and you know I, I finally gave it a chance and you know yeah. it, it's 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 a huge part of my life now you know I mean, I, I wouldn't be here right now without it
0: <laughs> yeah i you know i i can i can relate or i can i can understand where you're, you're talking about the ego my first meeting that i went to uh was a speaker meeting and it was in erie pennsylvania where i grew up with my dad and my stepmom and my brother and i was probably 20 Nah, i was probably about 18 19 20 at the time I was drinking, and but I wasn't. I hadn't been drinking that day. And the speaker at that meeting was my dad. Sure. I don't want to have to hear anything what he had to say. You know what I mean? Yeah. I went as a support for him, but I didn't want to hear a damn thing that he had to say. Uh, and I only went because he invited me. And then I started looking around, and I was like, man, all these people have a fucking problem. I don't know if you encountered this where you are like, all these people have a fucking problem, and I don't have it. It's, I don't have it, but I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I am my own problem. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, did you ever, did you ever get to that point where you're like, everybody else has a problem and not me? You know, before I got in the rooms,
1: definitely, you know, mm-hmm. it was like, you know, it's not a problem. I'm fine. You know, it's, it's, it's hurting you because you're letting it hurt. You know, you're, you're reacting that way. I'm doing just fine. You know, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What the one thing that I notice uh that that's a deterrent is when, you know, I talk to people and I say, you know, I give them they say, "Oh, well, you know, what would you do if if you were in my situation?" And I was like, "Well, I'm not going to tell you what I would do, but I'm going to tell you what I did and and what helped me out." And I bring up, you know, uh AA and and they're like, "Oh, well, I can't deal with the God thing." Yeah. Yeah, well, that's a small fraction of the whole part of it. Like, like that's a piece of it. And, and, and that, if you're going to, if you're going to, to not give it a chance because of, of that small piece, mm-hmm. then you're robbing yourself of, of something that can help you. But Hey, in your own time, when you're ready, if, if you're ready, if you ever get to that point, yep. uh, have you ever encountered that? Where, where you, where people have been like, Oh, it's the God thing. I can't, I can't do it. Um, yeah, actually there's, there's
1: a, he's a really close friend of mine now. I, I, Sponsored him when he first came around, and I've I've never met this man face to face. My wife has. He lives in Ohio. I met him. I I uh, do a support group on Facebook, and there's like five thousand people. And I also smoke cigars, and I was in a cigar group. And I had posted a coin, and he asked me how I did it. He messaged me, and I told him. And uh turns out he he wasn't an alcoholic. He was uh, addicted to oxycontin and whatnot wasn't a down on the bottoms guy, you know, but he, he knew he had a problem and he, he asked me how I did it. And I told him and he read the book and he had to hit that God wall. You know, a lot of people hit that God wall and he's atheist or whatever, you know? And uh, I said, it just gotta be something bigger than what you are right now, dude, anything, you know? And, uh, he came into his inner self, he called it, you know, and he pulled from that and he... He had the biggest balls ever, man. He told his family straight up what they had no clue. You know, they were clueless. And he sat down the day after Christmas and told them, hey, I have a problem. I'm going to be sick for about a week. Hang with me. I'll be OK. And. Was it about five, six years almost? He's sober still, you know, and nice. doing really well. And I talked to him well, every day, pretty much. I love the man to death, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, it. But that was, you know, it's possible, you know, but it's all up here, really. I mean, a lot of that you just got to let go and surrender, man. You know, I mean, bottom line, you know, this last time around when I surrendered, it was at gunpoint by six cops, you know, and I surrendered spiritually, mentally, and physically. And, um, yeah, you know, it's been a wonderful experience, honestly. (laughs) You know, it's it's been a beautiful thing for me, you know. I mean, a lot of bad stuff's happened in my sobriety this time, but you know. Bottom line, I'm still sober and I'm, I love it. You know, yeah. I, I can't imagine life any other, I, I can't, I can't say that. I can't imagine life any other way because I think about how life used to be all the time, you know, yeah. and I just can't, I can't believe I used to be like that. Like it blows me away sometimes the shit I used to do and the person I am today. It's just like, wow, you know, And you know, and, but all that's not AA either. You know, I, I've been, <laughs> I've been You've to been wellness on the block. I've been to wellness court twice, bro, you know? So I, I went through treatment, didn't learn a thing besides you, you got to open up and you got to listen. Yep. And the second time around, dude, I was like a sponge, you know? And, uh, mm. I still work with the folks, you know, I love the people. That's where I met you, you know, I yeah. mean, I love the yeah. people, you know, And it's, it's just another piece of my recovery, you know, cause it's for me, when I started, when I started doing that facilitation, the, classes i was at a mm-hmm. point in my recovery i was just coming up on my 50th birthday i turned 50 the day after i got my certificate actually oh wow and i was just, I was at a spot in my recovery where i was feeling stale you know and i thought what more can you do with my sponsees you know i got a couple but i don't really have them that do it. a lot of them you know it's, i'm just a signature sponsor for some you know and that's okay yeah. with me but you know i i needed to put some more effort into recovery somehow and you know that was an outlet for me to do it you know it's, it's, and my sponsor tells me you know you got to get outside yourself and do things you're not comfortable with and hence me sitting here now you know i mean yeah. <laughs> you know i yeah. mean but you know I, i've experienced beautiful things being uncomfortable You know, I mean, I just started a new job on Monday and it's something I bet I was at my last job for almost 12 years. You know, I was comfortable where I was at and it just got to be uncomfortable. And uh, I finally I learned that in recovery, you know. know, What was it? I was told um, nothing changes if nothing changes. You know, you have to institute the change. If you've tried everything else and it's not working for you, do something about it. And uh, I did something about it. You know, I quit. I have a new job now and I'm learning and it's, it's a scary experience. It's uncomfortable. Today was my second day and, you know, I got tons of paperwork I do, you know, and it's, but it's, you know, it's, it's growth, you know, and, yeah. and growth is uncomfortable. Honestly, yeah. you know, at least for me, you know, I mean, if, if I'm uncomfortable, I'm probably growing somehow or trying to learn something, you know, like <coughs> mm-hmm. bad situations come up sometimes and I, I, recovery has taught me to ask, what can I learn from this? you know that yeah that wasn't me before man it was i was mad at that and i was gonna smash something or fix it you know I mean, yeah but now it's just it's life and it happens and it happens to everybody not just me man you know yeah and that, that's yeah. a that was an eye-opener you know everybody has shit happen to them not just you
0: <laughs> yeah yeah the one thing that that really got me when i was in the rec- when i first started recovery is is they were like oh don't get comfortable why not why can't i get comfortable i got to get in a groove of things i got to get in the swing of things i have to be they're like because if you make yourself comfortable you open yourself up for relapse Mm -hmm. and i was like uh no because i know i'm not going to drink well that was a a misconception because any given point any given point you'd be like oh shit today's the day and relapse but i go
1: ahead oh it's, it's funny you said today's the day you know i uh the one thing i always thought my recovery you know is what's gonna kill me is my mom dies you know and uh yeah. i was three weeks away from my third sobriety birthday mm-hmm. and uh my mom had been sick for six weeks with me taking care of her and uh she died and uh you know what i didn't drink bro you know i uh yeah. i went to a meeting immediately <laughs> you that's know? amazing just, just didn't want to be there you know and i, I did some i did some I I covered my own ass in a lot of ways in that period of my life. You know, my wife went out of town two days later. She had work to do training stuff, She, you know, and I wanted to go camping to get away. But I knew I had to drive by two liquor stores to get to where I wanted to camp. And I didn't trust myself to drive by those liquor stores. So I had a friend I'd met in wellness court and I called him up. I said, hey, man, I got to go camping, but I'm afraid to go by these stores. You know, he goes, Hmm. I'll tell you what, I'll follow you out there. I'll come back to town when I get off work. or come back out. And I'll spend a couple days with you. Yeah. Hell yeah! You know, and you uh, I have to do stuff like that to cover my own ass. You know, because I, I, I you know, I want to be sober, <coughs> wife, and I don't want to, I don't want to jinx myself. You know, when I, when I got out of jail this last time and got my ankle monitor off and shit, I walked up to the liquor stores, three quarters of a mile away, where I always went. And I showed them my red stripe, my ID, and I told them, do not sell me alcohol, no matter what I tell you, you know. And yeah. they looked at me like I was fucking retarded or something. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm just, you know, and now they ask me to see my new coin every year, you know. They're like, hey, let me see your coin, you know. And That's you awesome. know but, but, you know, you, you got to be proactive in your recovery, you know. You, you can always learn new stuff, always pick up new tools, you know. It's, yeah. It's a daily and a lifelong thing for me. you know I, I have to I have to live recovery. Every day. I have to breathe it. I have to talk to somebody in recovery every day. You know, I mean, yeah. if I don't, it don't work.
0: I've proven that to myself. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, that I noticed for myself about about getting out of my comfort zone and being uncomfortable is being around people that drink, not necessarily. Stepping out and being like, "Oh shit, let me put myself in the middle of this club because I know that I put myself." But so, for instance, last year when when Foo Fighters came up here, I love Foo Fighters, man. Like one of my favorite bands. I love Dave Grohl. Uh, love their music ever since I was a kid. Uh, I got free tickets to the show, and I was like, "That's awesome." But I know. There's going to be alcohol around me. And mind you, I'm already, I'm I'm only a year and a half into my recovery at that point. I'm already graduated therapeutic court. But I'm like, if I put myself in the middle of this crowd, it could be bad. Little did I little was I thinking that everybody that supported me was going to be there, right? So, I had my I got I got our free tickets from the music ther- from my music therapist. Oh, nice. You know, cool. uh we had about almost every single one of our 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 members that are in my jam group were there, and they all support me. None of them drank, so being there, and 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 stepping out of my comfort zone was actually a huge benefit for me because I didn't have to worry about everybody drinking around me. I could worry about, or you know, I could focus on having a good time, mm-hmm. and, and listening to the music and 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 all that stuff. And so, so yes. Yeah, Sometimes stepping out well, a lot of times stepping out of our comfort zone really benefit us in in ways that uh that are awesome. Um and I'm glad that you that you have friends that that are able to do that for you man. That's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it,
1: it's funny you brought that up. It just reminded me Mia, uh, my my best friend of 30 years. He's a normie. He has a couple mm-hmm. drinks now right and there, you know, and he but he's always was there with me when I was drunk. For some reason we're still friends, but boy <laughs> We were down in Anchorage last week, and I was visiting my daughter. We were visiting his daughter and grandkids, and we all went to Beyond Van Gogh together. Mm-hmm. And after the di- after that, we went out to dinner, and he had two, two uh, margaritas with his dinner. You know, I'm driving, so it's no big deal. But we get back to where we were staying, and we were sitting in the truck, and he's smoking a cigarette. And this is like 45 minutes an hour later, and I'm like, where the hell is that smell of booze coming from? <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. like, what the fuck? And he's like... Oh, yeah, I had margaritas, and I was like, holy shit, I totally forgot, you know, and it used to, yeah. it used to, be, it used to worry me that I couldn't be around people drinking, you know, and it, it, it's, finally, it's like, it just dawned on me last week weekend that, like, it it didn't even phase me until I smelled it, you know, like, that's weird, you know, but it, it wasn't a trigger or anything, but it just, I forgot about it, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, that's what alcohol is to me now, you know, in one ear and out the other, thank God, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, it's like a fleeting thought, yep, um. Yeah. So, so what led you into therapeutic court the second time where you act where, where it's stuck and you were like, yep, fuck it. This is what this is what I need to do. I, um, well,
1: A, I was looking at seven years in prison. I was, uh, 42 years old. I was looking at getting out when I was 50 almost. Um, my daughter was just starting college. I wanted to see her graduate. And I also, at that point, the, the, Let's back up a little bit to it, though. The night I got arrested, I had been trying to quit drinking for a week straight. Like, like you know, it, it, I'd been trying for longer than that. But a week, I was giving it some serious motion. And that day, I woke up, and I, I wanted to drink. And a friend called me out of the blue and said, hey, can you babysit my kid for me? She was four, this little girl. So I thought, perfect, you know, there's, I ain't going to drink babysitting somebody's kid, you know. So I, I went babysat all day. I'm broke. I ain't got no money. I had a good time babysitting. I thought I was home free, bro. You know, I'm going to go mm-hmm. home. I'm going to be fine. And uh, she gave me 10 bucks. I went to the store. I got four shots of 100 proof bananas, 99 bananas out of all goddamn things, and a bag of rollies for 10 bucks. I went in the woods. I drank those four shots. I went home, checked my mail. I had a check in the mail. Um, I'm already got the cravings going, you know. So I went and cashed the check at the local bank, went to the store, got a pint, a big one. Took off on my, well, got geared up in full camo with two guns. Went out on my four wheeler and I went at my buddy's cabin and he was home and we got drunk. And I was sitting there that night. He, I met him in sobriety, but he, drinking again obviously but uh yeah. i was telling them you know i'm not even happy anymore unless i'm a, at least a point two oh you know at least 224 or something and i finished that bottle and i got on the four-wheeler to go home and i stopped at the dump to look for some pop cans to shoot on my way home and uh somebody called the cops on me said i was acting hostile with an assault rifle and, uh next thing i know so, you know, I woke up in jail that morning <coughs> in the drunk tank yet again. But this time it was different. I I was comfortable, man. You know, it was like, it's like when you wake up from a long sleep, kind of, you're just like laying in bed for a little bit and you can breathe, you know. Mm-hmm. I knew I was safe for myself that day. I couldn't get out and drink no matter what. And then I found out I had no bail. So mm-hmm. I'm not getting out. You know, I was already on probation for an assault so you know i sat there and they asked me hey you you want to try to get in wellness court i was like i already graduated that once you know and the the lady was like oh you're screwed then i was like yeah i know and um she came back a week later and was like well i found out you can apply if you want you know there's somebody in there that's been in there before it doesn't hurt to apply and i thought there's my chance you know I, i was at the right state in my mind where. I didn't want to live like that no more. But yet again, I didn't know how to live and I was yeah. ready to be rebooted, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. I poured my heart out on that application this time. You know, it, it wasn't bullshit coded like the first one. You know, it was I want to live basically is what it summed up. I don't want to die. You know, I didn't you know, I didn't want to drive again. I didn't care about any of that shit. I wanted to learn how to live a normal life like I see all these people do it and I didn't have the tools to do that but I'd been through wellness court once and I knew they offered the tools, but my dumbass didn't pick them up, take them with me, you know? So they let me in and I got out of jail onto an ankle monitor and I got into wellness court in October, end of October. And, um, man, I gave it my all bro. You know, I mean Mm -hmm. everything. I was like the nerd in school, you know, front row teacher, pick me, you know, and helping people with their homework and shit and mentoring people. And, um, Just getting into it, you know, because what else am I got to do? You know, I die, go to jail, you know, and, you know, I've been told, you know, jails, death and institutions. And then somebody explained it to me. Well, institutions and jails are just the pit stops. You're going to die. Yeah. So I decided just to jump into it, man. And um, I still go back, you know, I, I, I still see my counselor to this day. Mm-hmm. Five years later, I, I told him last our last session that I was like the herpes. You know, I just keep coming back. You know, you never know. But I got so when there's an issue, I I flare up. You know, and, yeah. Uh, you know, but it's a great program, and you know, it's. I wish people would take advantage of it. You know, I mean, like, there's so many people out there still, like I was. You know, but mm-hmm. there's people that amaze you too. You know, I mean. Oh yeah. I, I've got some amazing friends in there, not not just from this go around, but I've got some amazing friends that stuck with it from the last time, you know. And that that's pretty crazy that you know we build those bonds and you know that. I was another one. I didn't know how to have normal friends, you know. I had drinking buddies and drug buddies, but I didn't have a friend I could talk to, you know. And I, I got that in there. I got that in AA, and AA came with AKTCA, mm-hmm. you know. And it just it's it's the full meal deal you know you just yeah. gotta eat it <laughs> and then Absolutely. you gotta take your supplements and keep taking <laughs> your supplements man you know i mean yeah.
0: it's a disease
1: you know you gotta treat it and you know it's like diabetes you gotta take your insulin and shit every day my stepdad was diabetic and he didn't take care of himself and he died yeah. and we're alcoholics or i am i you know i can't I only speak for myself but it, i gotta treat that every day you know and uh yeah i do that through you know i've I never really got into I never sat down and wrote a routine for my day, but it just with recovery comes your routine, and then you realize, oh shit, I do have a routine, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, I remember years ago in the meeting talking about how oh my favorite time of day is when I just go out and in the woods and walk my dog and just get out of myself. And I always thought, oh, that's fucking crazy, you know. You you know what my favorite time of day is now? when I go walk my dog you know I love that she's probably gonna yeah. come at me now cause I said that word but you know I mean it's you just get you learn that shit it's almost like karate you know it's subliminally and it just sticks with you you know it's like reflex yeah. after a while you know it's you repel from it like a hot flame as they say you know
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's you know it's, it's about creating that that schedule and that repetition and then finding yeah. what works for you cause not everything works for us right so like I I try. I've tried a whole bunch of stuff in my recovery. I was like, "Oh, I have aspirations to be an artist." Right. come on. I I can't draw for a goddamn. Okay, like I know this. I I tried. It's not working for me, and all I do at the end of the day is get frustrated. So it's not worth it. But but I know I I do know that those five or ten minutes prior to everybody getting up is is what gets me peace. You, but, know? you know, bring that up that reminds me another thing that's
1: really important to my recovery at least i see it a lot of other people too is you gotta have a hobby man you know at least something you're passionate about to keep your mind and hands busy because you know mine it just happens to be making knives and i started doing that when i was drunk and i made shitty knives when i was drunk (laughs) you know but you know when i do it now it's like i go into a like meditation you know nothing in the my house could burn down around me and as long as my pants ain't on fire and i'm throwing sparks i'm not thinking <clears about throat> drunks, i'm not thinking about drinking i'm not thinking about paying bills i'm not thinking about the shit i owe i'm not thinking about what i gotta do tomorrow i'm just thinking about what's in front of me and you know that that's a great tool <laughs> you know yeah. it's, just, it's like a drug almost not just to, it's like a mind eraser you know you just beep,
0: reset you, know? yep. you, yeah, you replace that substance with something that's healthy mm-hmm. yeah, and that, that healthy, that healthy thing kind of creates, creates a, a, a more useful and more beneficial therapeutic experience for you. Right. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, what, what about, what, what do you think was the most beneficial part of, of therapeutic court? Like if you, if it was, if it was a program, if it was the interaction with the judge, what, what do you think that it was for you?
1: I think the most important thing for me was learning about myself. Mm-hmm. And that I I was the cause of a lot of my problems. 99.9% of them, I'd say, you know. And um that was the biggest thing for me out of that. It's just you, you really get to get into yourself, you know. And um, you know, it, <laughs> I mean there's so many things that MRT, you know, I can't I could go on about MRT yeah. drawing our little stick figures, you know, I mean all that fun stuff. And then the set the setting goals was real big for me. Because mm-hmm. you know, they had you set your yearly goal. And one thing I learned this time around is um I set realistic goals. Not I wanted Learjet a million dollars, <laughs> and you know, I think yeah. my first one was I wanted a I wanted a bigger TV, you know. And I had that before I graduated wellness court, and another one was like I wanted a camper or a boat, and I got all that shit on the schedule. That was my five-year time plan. I got all that, you know. I'm sitting in a house I bought now. That was, but I set another one after that. You just keep setting attainable goals, and that was that was infinite for me, you know. And another huge one was boundaries. You know, I I I knew nothing about boundaries, yeah, and you know I. Boundaries is why I quit my job. I finally, I finally learned, you know, I'm, well, I can't say I learned. I'm learning, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'll never get it completely, but, you know, and uh, I still go over my um, relapse prevention plan. I pull that out every three, four months just to, I like to check myself before I wreck myself, you know, just yeah. to look for any symptoms, you know, you mm-hmm. got any sneezing, you know, you know, shit yeah. like that, you know, I mean, yeah. There's so many pieces to the wellness court puzzle it, you know I mean going to court I mean I I got to go to a judge's retirement thing and say a few words to him when he re- retired you know and he was the judge I had twice both times in wellness court you know wow and I and this was after I graduated you know so I got to show to him that what he did did make a difference you know and I, I would have never had that opportunity in well, not being in wellness court you know I see a judge before I run you know? mm-hmm. and now I'm like thank you. You know, I mean, those people literally saved my life. You know, I mean, you know, I had a little to do with it by giving up. But, you know, I mean, I, I mean, man, wellness court. Wow. I mean, it's, you know, I still wonder about what it'd be like to go through it again. You know, if not reoffending, but just seeing what yeah. more I could learn, you know, to see if. You know, but, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, you you were talking about MRT, man, and I absolutely loved MRT. At first, I hated it, dude. That step one, that step one killed me. <laughs> step one killed me. Um, and uh, but I started to learn to love it. And when I after I I started loving it, I started getting things from it. You know what I mean? Like I started being able to obtain some of those things. Like goal setting is one of them. Um, one that I'm working on right now that I've been absolutely terrible with my whole life is time management. And you would say, you're in the Army. How is time management something that you're, you're, you're terrible at? should see my life in the Army. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but like time management for me, I – so doing this podcast and, and this is a little insight for anybody watching that doesn't know or, or even you, Brandon. Uh, but uh, scheduling for me has always been a hard thing. Uh, I've always kind of been the fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy, where it was like, all the good things happen when, when it's unexpected, right? It's not necessarily the case. Um, but I, I kind of translated that into my recovery, right? So like, I was like, oh, you know, I'll just, I'll keep the schedule of everything that's happening, all my appointments, but the rest of my time, it's just wild. It's buck wild. It's crazy. Um, and when I started this podcast, uh, as addicts or or alcoholics, we can't do anything with moderation. It's super hard to do things with moderation, right? So um, when I started doing this podcast, a lot of people started seeing like a lot of episodes were boom, 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 boom. But that's not how they were being recorded. I was recording three, four, five episodes in a day. And that takes a lot out. So now, and, and, and I went down to, to Nashville uh, for NADCP and I realized like I was running myself into the ground. So moderation and time management have to be essential for me. So now I stick to two episodes a week, whether, uh, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays, I record. Some, sometimes if, if, if need be, if somebody's like, hey, I cannot fit on either one of those days, I'll put them on a Wednesday as well. But that's it. Like, I don't step out of my boundaries. Well, I, I, I don't overstep my boundaries to myself because, and those are boundaries again. Uh, I, we've all been horrible with boundaries too. So I set a boundary with myself and I have to make sure I maintain that boundary. And if I, you know, because if I don't maintain that boundary, I'm going to end up harming myself, which in turn is going to harm other people. Yeah, yeah it's pretty crazy. Yeah, being in wellness court—that was what <laughs> that taught you. Just being
1: in there was time management, man. Yeah, you, know, you know. I mean, I—I yeah. I don't think I could do what I'm doing now if I wasn't, you know, learned all that. You know, I juggled two jobs and I volunteer with wellness court and I go to my meetings, you know, and I do my thing and I still maintain to be me, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, and yeah. that's the important—the balance. You know, you got to take care of yourself because you can't take care of nobody else because if you don't take care of yourself, you're gonna break down. You
0: know? Yeah. You know? Yeah and life was life was even crazy and the kids are, hadn't even started school yet. You know what I mean? And, and and with our bus with the whole bus mishap that's happening now, I got to take the kids to school. And so like that takes even more time away and so like so now I'm really looking at time management on top of that. I'm going to be volunteering at at my youngest school to help them out and certain times of day. So like time management is crucial for me at this moment. And if I don't make it crucial, then life is going to start spiraling out of control. And I can't have that happen. Yep. Absolutely. So, so what are you doing now? What are you doing now to, to maintain your sobriety? I know we talked a lot about, uh, what, what it was like in therapeutic court, but what are you doing now to maintain your sobriety?
1: Um, you know, I got my home group. I'm active in, you know, I go there every week. I got some sponsors I work with. I, um, me and f- just four other guys. Me and so five of us total. We uh we admin a Facebook group with five thousand members from all over the world. It's I won't give a plug, but it's a, it's a recovery group. And um, you can give uh, a plug. <laughs> it's called Recovery Hope versus Dope. <laughs> I like it, so, but um, you know I, I I I can't say I have a routine, you know, because I find myself you know, I work the two jobs, so I don't really know what time I'll ever be home, and I got a damn German Shepherd that is needy as all hell. So it's, you know, but if I find time in the night where I'm like, oh, it's 730, I can hit a meeting, I'll, I'll go to a meeting, you know, and I I call people every day, you know, and, and another big one for my recovery is um I changed sponsors about three years ago. My sponsor that I originally had, I, I've known him since I first came into AA, you know, like 18 years ago, I met him the first time and he sponsored me when I was in jail. He was around the jail meetings out in North Star Center, not jail. And I worked the steps with him, but he didn't. He didn't have a cell phone, and um, oh wow, I was pretty needy in my early recovery. You know, I needed mm-hmm. someone, and um, there was another guy. After I'd been sober for a few years, I, uh, they told you to look for somebody that has something you want. And this guy, he um, he had a wife that's handicapped. My wife is also handicapped. We have the little sticker in the window. She mm-hmm. she begs it for otherwise because she's so independent and strong, but. And he also wore pajamas to meetings, and that was something, you know, that I liked. And, I, you know, I, I, I could see myself a lot in him. And um, he was always at a meeting, you know, so I knew if I couldn't get a hold of him on a phone, I knew he was going to be at every night at 8 o'clock. He never misses me, mm-hmm. you know. And, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that was another thing that I, I, I make sure he's accessible at all times. <laughs> you know, he yeah. has a home phone, he has a cell phone, but I try not to, you know. When I got him this time, I said I'm I'm a pretty low maintenance sponsor now, but you know I just need somebody that's accessible so shit hits the fan because you know early recovery. I like they tell you to reach out, you know, when you get overwhelmed, whatnot. And I finally took the advice one night. I had ripped apart my shop because I got some new tools and I was making this bigger and better shop, and I got overwhelmed, so I called my sponsor, you know, and he said. I'd eat an elephant one bite at a time, you know, and so I just want to be be able to access that boundless information when I needed yeah. to, you know, and um yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, I, I, like, all the people I talk to on a daily basis are in, in recovery, you know, I, I do have some friends that aren't in recovery, but I don't talk to them every day, you know, I have yeah. the one friend I talked about, we <laughs> talk, spend a lot of time together, but. The most part it's all recovery community you know i mean yeah and i've learned you don't have to talk about recovery every day when you call someone either you can just hey how's your day bro you know and yeah. just just bullshit, you know and it keeps the lines open so when something does happen you can call you know yeah I mean, So yeah i you know, I got my little routine I do. I you know, I get up yeah. in the morning and you know, I'm powerless and you know, I look upstairs and say, Hey, what are we gonna get into today? you know, but um you know, it's it's not a real you know, I that's funny, I <laughs> just thinking about that, my routine, you know. I have my little routine, I was just telling you, but the other night I, I broke away from my routine. Mm-hmm. I, um, I, I'm not a big prayers guy. I, I talk to the dude upstairs all the time, you know, throw ideas by him and just, you know, there's an open line of communication there, but I'm not a kneeling guy. You know, I, yeah. I just, another night I was found myself on my knees in front of the couch for some reason, I was getting something off the floor and the couch was at the right height when my arms just rest on it, you know? And, uh, I was mm-hmm. starting my first day at work on Monday, it was Sunday night. And I, I decided to get on my knees and. And I I always, when I pray, I try not to pray for myself. You know, I pray for others. Mm. But this time I asked, not for prosperity or anything, but just for strength. To get into work and not have a lot of anxiety and get through the day like a a normal functioning human should. Yeah. You know, and I I got a little tear in my eye, you know, and um, it made me feel better, you know. And you know what? My prayer might have been answered because Monday I pulled up to the parking spot at my new job saw the door was open, and I just walked in. I'm Brandon. Where's Jack? And We started the day, you know, and it wasn't, yeah. I wasn't like, oh, uh, you know, it was just, it was comfortable. It, it felt natural, which I've pulled up on the first day of a job before and turned around and fucking went home. Yeah. And they called me, we saw you on the security camera. Why'd you go home? And I come up with some dumb excuse. Oh, my kid was sick, you know, that's back when my kid lived at home, you know, but I, mm-hmm. I get anxiety like that, and I I didn't get it this time, you know, yeah. That's awesome. you know, I, I think it's a lot of things compounded, but that, I think that added to it, you know? Yeah. You no.
0: Know? Uh, yeah. It's pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, so how did you come? How did you, uh, how'd you hear about AKTCA?
1: Um, from wellness court. I, uh, <clears throat> I talked with Amy in town. She's the director up here and mm-hmm. she had, she had brought it up a few times and, um, my old probation officer—he's retired now. Me and him are still friends, and he—he uh, he had mentioned that you know that they had this AKTCA going, and I might be interested in checking into it. Amy did the same thing, and um, yeah, I just reached out, you know, and said, "Hey, you know, I—I I, basically—I think it was Ron I talked to the first time. I mm-hmm. said, "Hey, I'm Brandon. You know, I, I'm willing to do whatever you guys need in Fairbanks, but you know, I don't know what I'm doing honestly. You know, I don't know what I can do, but." I can help you, <laughs> you can help yeah. me help others, you know, and um, mm-hmm. it's just kind of, it it's grown from there, you know, just um, pretty cool. <laughs> that is awesome. It, it's pretty cool. But yeah, I, I didn't realize that they had so much available in, like, I didn't know there's peer, peer support groups. I mean, I've been out of wellness court for five years. I didn't yeah. know I could just join a group on Zoom at any time. I was really anti-Zoom for a long time, though, but yeah. I, I didn't know that and you know it's something i might have taken advantage of if i you know and and i was I, I i guess it was just uh luck of the draw i was communicated that or maybe my ears opened at the right time or my you know my my spam mail didn't delete it or something i, yeah. I don't know but um I, I i can't tell you how thankful i am because i feel like i got a whole new family you know because i know everybody's done exactly what i did you know we went through the calling in every morning see if you got a mm-hmm. pee you know Writing permission to do the most ridiculous stuff. Like, I had to get written permission from a judge to ride a lot, ride a driving tractor, lawnmower at work. Well, not a big tractor, but just a little driving lawnmower, yeah. you know, to mow the yards, and, you know. So I know yeah. everybody's been there, done that, so they get it. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like an icebreaker for me. Yeah. You yeah. Know, I, I, I honestly, I don't make new friends easy. You know, I, I don't open up. And, and when I see somebody like, in AA or AKTCA, I know they've been there, done that. We got that bond, and I can talk like I'm talking now. You know, I, I feel mm-hmm. on that level in the same plane, and I don't feel belittled. I don't feel above. You know, it's just we're there. Yeah, yeah, we're all equal. Yep. I mean, there's wellness court man. I you know, there's people <coughs> that didn't have jobs when they got there. People that are lawyers when they got there. You know, yeah. I mean,
0: and they all mix together. You know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, that's the crazy thing, man, is, like, I didn't know how big the therapeutic courts actually were. Like, I mean, obviously, I've seen in, in in Alaska, like, they're pretty big. But I went to Nashville, and I... 50 states, all 50 states represented, with alumni from a majority of the states coming, at, coming together, saying that they want to start their own program. And that made me realize, like, holy crap, we... We're not just in Alaska, you know, we're all over the place and we all have this one thing in common and, and it's pretty awesome to see. And it's yeah, pretty cool to see like everybody from just Alaska getting together and, and, and you know, doing their thing because you realize, you know, how how different we all are, how diverse we all are, but how much we're the same and, and we got this one common goal in, in mind. I'll tell you, just just going to
1: Anchorage on that trip, I went down there and saw you guys. It, it really opened my eyes at how big it is out. I mean, just your what you guys have compared to Fairbanks. Yeah. Holy crap, bro! You know, I mean, I'm not dogging on us. You know, we just don't yeah. have the veterans court. We don't have yeah. you know all the other. We have you know the drug court, and I think we just started the veterans court, and yeah. then the felony DUI court. Yeah. You know, we're we're a little behind you guys. You know, like. Our barbecue that i went to there's like 30 40 people you know but i realize anchorage is a huge city too but yeah just... yeah and the Fairbanksans are a little different too honestly yeah you know, yeah. <laughs> you know they yeah. don't they, they don't open up to
0: new things
1: too well you know <laughs> so yeah you gotta grease yeah. that wheel a little bit up here you know feed them or something you know
0: <laughs> fairbanks is a tradition Yep. <laughs> Fairbanks is a tradition and it it's hard to uh to open up to new things, to brand new things. I can understand that.
1: That's one but- thing I've been sober. <coughs> this is the town I drank in, drugged in, and got sober in. And and managed to stay sober, you know. I, I see a lot of people have to move to do that. And I I love the fact that I can still go to my old Places that mean something to me, you know. Yeah, they're still they're still there, you know. They're still not just pictures I have to look at because I'm living somewhere else because I can't be here, you know. Absolutely. I, I, I don't take that for granted, you know. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, and the, and then you get to be around people that have seen every phase of your life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and you know the, they remember the dumbass Brandon, but they remember the Brandon now who is a million times better than the person he used to be. Yeah, sure. You know, and and that's that's. That's important that's important for people to see growth. yeah absolutely. So uh, before we close up shop, uh, quick question. Um, if, if, if there was somebody that was suffering uh, or somebody that was thinking about getting into in recovery or into the wellness court, uh, what would you what, what advice or suggestion would you offer them? Just do it
1: honestly. I mean you have nothing to lose. You know, like like they say in the room, sometimes your refund can be refunded. Your misery could be refunded. You know, yeah. I mean, give it a try. I mean, it it's hard. It's a lot of work, but you get out of it. I mean, tenfold what you put into it. I mean, I I never thought I would be where I'm at right now. I was. I still can't believe. It. I'm just a drunk. I still think of myself like that. You know, I can look at myself in the mirror now, but it's just. But just do it. I mean, you got nothing to lose. You know, I mean, have a good life, you know. <laughs> yeah, you got,
0: the, you got the world to gain, nothing to lose. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I remember that, man. Uh, I I can't tell you how, like, how many times I, I've asked myself, why me? And I don't know if, if you've gotten to that point where you're like, why are all these good things happening? But I, I know the answer. You know, speaking of good things happening out of the blue... Just out of the blue,
1: last Thursday night, a friend of mine calls me, longtime friend. It's actually my mom's friend. My mom's mm-hmm. passed away. but it's, He says, are you home? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, I'm going to bring you something. Mm-hmm. I said, okay. It's like 10 o'clock at night. He comes over with a box, still taped up, brand new. I open it up. There's a forge in it. Oh, wow. You know, that would have never happened. You know, it wasn't my birthday. It wasn't Christmas. Yeah. You know, I don't know why to this day I'm still dumbfounded. You know, it's like the ninth step promises. You know, I don't yeah. know if you're familiar with those. Yep. But, you know, Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly.
0: Like you know? yep. I, I tell the people, you know, don't quit before the miracle happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That That's what I, I, I don't. What, what baffles me is that people give up when things aren't going great. Or no, no, sorry, sorry. They give up when things are going great and they're like, Oh, I got it, I got it, and, and I got it in my pocket, dude. I'm fine, I got this. I can hear Morgan Freeman, and in fact he was not fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You know, and that's the thing, is like is like we, we, we quit before the before the good things actually really start happening. Mm-hmm. And right. and I I'm so glad that I haven't quit. But that's why I don't
1: want to quit. I mean, good shit's happening, but it's not gonna quit if I don't quit. Just, you know, just get through the bad. You know, I mean, it's just life. Everybody, yeah. like I said earlier, you know, it happens to everybody. Just it's it's what you do with it. It's not how you act or you don't react. You know, you just. Yep. yep. Absolutely.
0: All right. All right, Brandon. So I want to thank you for hanging out with me for this hour. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. Had a good time. Thank
0: you. Thank you for sharing your story, man, and uh, and uh, and being vulnerable and talking about some things. And uh, everybody, I want to thank you guys for hanging out with us for this hour. And I hope you guys enjoy the new background. That's pretty cool. I, I find it more subtle and more, like, calming. It's soothing. I blend uh, into the mountains with my shirt. You did. And before we recorded, I told him if we had a blue screen, he, it would just be a floating head. <laughs> all right guys we're gonna go ahead and end this uh much love and until next time i'll see you guys later